Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. I'm going to be reading from Psalms chapter 24, verse 4. And it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 27, 4. One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. And over the next few minutes, I want to speak to you from this idea, and I'm hoping that you're taking notes. This is going to be a really practical message. I want to teach you more than I want to scream and preach. I want you to catch this, because if you do, I promise you that it's actually going to help you. But the next, next, the next few minutes that I want to preach to you from this idea, God's house. God's house. Come on, would you bow your head and close your eyes and pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you, Lord, for your house. We thank you, Father God, for the miracles that we've seen, Lord, happen in your house, Lord. We thank you for the times, Lord God, of healing, Lord. We thank you for the times where we've received the word here. We thank you for the times that we've met you, that we've encountered you. Thank you for the discipleship, the growth, Lord, that we've had in this house, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that we watched as children get dedicated, Lord God, as they join the KG Kids ministry, Lord God, as they grow in their faith, Lord God, as they become men and women of God, Lord, and as they themselves begin these beautiful houses, Lord, all over the world that belong to you and to you alone, Jesus. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Speak to us here today, Lord God. My weakness, Lord, I pray that you are strong, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord God. Amen and amen. Come on, one more time. Would you put your hands together for Jesus all over this room? Oh, come on, we could do better. Come on, greater church. Hey, my, my daughter, Abigail, she was dedicated to the Lord, but she's crazy. This little girl really thinks that she runs the world. Like, at school, and, and Allison's in the back with the G-Kids, but at school, like, she's a celebrity. Like, she walks through the halls, and people are like, oh, that, that's your daughter. It's not, that's the pastor's daughter. It's, oh, you're her dad. Like, she is a celebrity. She walks through the halls like she runs the entire place. Like, she talks to people. Allison, you know, she's obviously, hopefully everybody here would know that she's pregnant. If you don't, then congratulate her. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert. But, but Abby has gone through the entire school and told everybody, my aunt's pregnant. You know, sometimes you don't want to tell people. You know what I mean, Jeanette? Like, you don't want to, like, no, I'm not, I'm not ready to tell everybody. Abby told everybody. And teachers were coming up to her and saying, oh, my God, I'm so happy for you. I hope it's a little girl. And she's like, no, we already had a gender reveal. It's a boy. But God's going to give us another girl. We're going for number four. Don't you love how you volunteer for parents? <laughs> Don't you just love that? You should have another one. Are you going to take care of it? Are you going to stay up all night feeding the baby? Hope you better. Hey, mammy. Are you, are you going to get up? No, you're not doing any of those things. Yo, this, this little girl, she, she, before we had G-Kids, which I'm so grateful, man, for Allison and the team back there that's having G-Kids. And, man, if you're watching online, we started our G-Kids from kindergarten to fifth grade. If you have an elementary student or a little baby, if you have a toddler or an infant, we have a space back there. So that is super sanitized, physical distancing. We do all that good stuff. But, man, I'm so grateful that they're back there. But during these last few months that they weren't back there, yo, Abby was finding the candy and giving it to everybody. She was like the candy drug dealer. 
Yo, and everybody loved her. I see the kids just walk out of here and they're like, ah, like, what happened to you? And then I would find candy wrappers behind all of the televisions, behind all of the boxes. Like, yo, Abby literally had them everywhere. At home, I've been trying to kind of work with her because she's a, she, she's like a tornado. Like, you see a, like a trail of Abby all over the place. So she'll have like pencils, papers, dolls. Like, it, we, <laughs> I love, don't you love you know, family members who buy your kids like the most smallest pieces of toys. And you're the one that your vacuum cleaner is like breaking everything. Abby just leaves a tornado of things. And I've been trying to deal with her. And I've been trying to explain to her, Abby, like, yo, you can't do that. Like, pick up your stuff. I've gotten to the point now that I tell her, if I see it on the ground, I'm going to throw it away. But then I know it's expensive, so I can't throw it away. And she like manipulates me. Like, she knows. Like, she knows in her heart, bro. And I can't stand it. Yesterday, we were actually at a, um, the boys' lacrosse game. And it was funny because, you know, she's doing cartwheels and she's having fun. But I, I kind of look to the side and I start seeing a trail of Abby. And automatically, like, yo, I'm like, yo, my kids don't got no home training. These people are going to think, like, yo, why are you even here? Like, you, what is going on right now? And I grabbed Abby. I said, Abigail, come here. I said, Abigail, go grab your book bag. Put your little doggy and your doll inside the book bag and put it away. Abby goes and she starts kind of like, fiddling and grabbing her stuff. She kind of sits down. And I, at that moment, I, I realized something. I realized two things. One of them I texted myself, and the other one, it just stayed with me. I started to realize that the things that I teach her at home, she begins to do outside. That the things that she learns and she does in her own home are the very same things that she does outside. Right now, I'm helping her and I'm training her because she's a tornado and she leaves everything outside. So, Red, by, by trying to, like, Physically, in the name of Jesus, I came from a totally different generation. I believe your generation was a part of that too. Well, we didn't get time out. We got knockout. So I'm trying to do both though. I'm trying to like be, you know, this modern parent that doesn't like, you know, just in the name of Jesus, hallelujah, glory to God. But at the same time, I'm trying to teach her. But I notice that the things that we learn at home is usually what we do outside. And I think it's the same thing that happens in church. I think that the same things that you think, the, the things that you learn in church, hopefully the desire is that you would take these things outside of church and that you would actually live these things outside in your regular life. The goal that mean anybody who comes up here, Jason, Alfonso, Jason Hodges, like whoever takes this microphone and teaches, I hope that you understand that it's not to just like tickle your ears or to like give you this feel good sermon or to. Make you think that when you go home, you're going to get in your car and you're going to find $500 that magically appeared because the Lord is going to give you every single one of the things that you want and you desire. Like, I hope that you understand that the teachings, that the things that we give you here is that we want you to actually take them and live them outside of where we are because the way that you act at home is always going to be demonstrated outside of the home. I want you to see something. David, he's running from Saul. He is at this space right now where he has been anointed king, low-key, in the back of the line. He's been anointed as king. And then all of a sudden, he makes himself in his, his way to the palace. And he actually comforts Saul. There's a big story in there that you can read. And all of a sudden, though, here it is that David gets a javelin thrown at him, like a spear thrown at him. Because he's playing music. The, the, the Bible says that Saul had demons inside of him. And all of a sudden, when he began to play music, the presence of God would come and the demons would leave him be. And he got so mad one time that he threw a javelin at David. And then it even got worse where he began to chase him for miles upon miles to kill David. 
David had done nothing to him. David had honored him every single step of the way. But there was so much jealousy inside of Saul's heart that he thought to himself, David is getting these songs. I'm getting the songs that say, I killed a thousand men and David killed 10,000 men. And bitterness, jealousy began to spring up inside of him. I want you to understand here at Greater Church, like your gifts, they matter to us. Never are you going to find a pastor, myself or any of the other pastors that are on staff here, that are ever going to minimize your gift because we're jealous or we're afraid that you're going to take something from us. I want you to understand, we're always going to empower you, even if it hurts us. If you decide to leave and start your own church, then we're going to scrape up some pennies and ten dollars and we're gonna send you about your way with a chick-fil-a gift card and a few people to be able to help you and we're gonna do our best to be able to empower you as we grow it's not only the thing that we're promising we're gonna do that's my desire it's my hope to raise up leaders that are actually gonna plant churches that are gonna actually continue to build God's house David is this guy bro that like yo I, there's a Spanish word it's called pobrecito like, it's just poor David. Like, yo, the guy can't catch a break, man. He, like, killed a bear. He killed a, 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 a lot of things and <laughs> individuals. He's won wars. And here it is that the very person that he's looking up to is the very person that hates him the most. David is in a really peculiar situation. And running away in the midst of, yo, I'm doing everything right, God. I'm trying to figure everything right. I, I did everything right, but yet all this bad stuff keeps coming to me. He pens these words. One thing I have asked from the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. He said, this is one thing that I've asked for. And this one thing that I've asked for, I'm not leaving it. This is a side note. Put it on your notes. I'm not just asking for it, but I'm seeking it. This is not something that I just talk about with my mouth, but I'm actually going to pursue it. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that God is a rewarder to those that diligently seek him. I'm not only going to ask, but I'm going to seek. Uh, the great writer, Charles Spurgeon, he says, desires are the seed which must be sown in good soil of activity or they will yield no fruit. David's heart in a cry of surrounded by enemy. Yo, this is the one thing that he desired. I just want to be in your house. Like, I just want to be close to you. Like, I just want to spend my time with you. What happens, though, is that familiarity always breeds contempt. What happens is that you would find yourself, when you're too close to something, and it becomes too familiar to you, then it becomes, eh, that's just my mom. And, and yesterday, uh, Mike Dixon and, and the family, the Dixons, they had a, a funeral, which I was able to officiate, um, and I was able to speak at. And it was it was, it was, I mean, just to hear that it was a grandma, patriarch. She was a pillar in her family. And to hear the things that she did, to hear the things that she said, to hear the things that she actually did in that family was beautiful to watch. But I guarantee you that a lot of people were probably with her during that time, and they were like, she's so annoying. Like, all she do is pray all day long. This lady, every single day, for decades on end, would pray Psalm 23. At the end of Psalm 23, she would pray by name over every single person in her family and everybody that she met. For hours, she would spend praying to God. It was absolutely incredible, incredible to watch as her daughter and her granddaughter and her, grand, and her aunt would actually say, I remember walking in while she was talking about me to God. I remember walking in and she was praying about me. Because sometimes when you get too familiar with something, it just becomes like, eh. You know, you prayed for that house. 
you pray, Lord, give me this house. Please, Lord, let me have this house. And then you got the house. And then a few years later, it's like, eh. Like, I need another house. This house is too small. Wish I had a bigger backyard. I hate my bathroom. I hate the tile. Oh, my God, the AC sucks. I hate everything about this house. But it wasn't like that at the very beginning. Sometimes it happens with spouses. It happens with our marriages. We're at the very beginning where you hang up. No, you hang up. No, you hang up. <laughs> and then, and you're like, okay, dale, bye. <laughs> I was like, I love you for everything. And now it's just like, I tolerate you. <laughs> but I think it's familiarity. The closer that you get with something, with your job, your family, I, you buy a brand new pair of shoes, ladies, and you, you were excited about them. Men, you're the same way. You're excited about them. And then after a little while, they just become like, ah, you just get super familiar with them. We have to be very careful. The church doesn't become that little familiar thing. My desire, my hope, the reason why I'm preaching this message is because I felt like God wanted to say that to you. Because I want you to understand that when you look at greater church, I don't want you to just sit there and think, ah, I might go tomorrow. Ah, I might just show up. You know, I might go to Chino's church. I might go to greater church. And I don't understand that this is God's house. That this place actually hosts and it carries the very presence of God. That this isn't an organization with a title and a name and a couple of individuals that run this thing. But this is the house of God. That we create this space every single Sunday for you to have an encounter and for you to actually meet with God. You have to be very careful that it doesn't become familiar. David said, these are the two things that I want to do. I want to, I mean, these are the things that I want. I want to dwell in your house forever. He understood there was a familiarity that can get created if you're too close. If you just keep coming and it's just kind of like, ah, you know, I just came in because I got I to gotta check off, you know, the, the little card. And me and God, we're good. Now I went to church. I can get blessed and not understand that you live from a blessing, that God's blessing you, whether you go to church, whether you tithe, whether you don't. Like, God is protecting you and watching over you. As a matter of fact, if you look back on your life, I guarantee you see God's hand the strongest in your life when you were the farthest from him. The farther you were, God's hand was there stronger. So I, I want you to be able to grasp this message because I want you to see that, yo, David's heart was saying, I want to spend my days in God's house. Like, I want to be in God's house. And I don't know, I've had moments in my life where I just felt like, I don't know if I really wanted to be in God's house. Like, I just, you know, I don't know, go to church. Like, yo, I could go to church in my house, in my living room. You know, are you in your underwears right now? Prophetically, I, I don't see you. I don't see you online. <laughs> I hope you got pants on. <laughs> Praise God. But I don't judge you in Jesus' name. But... <laughs> But, like, we can get super familiar with it and just think that it's just, you know, it's the church. I go to see my friends and check it off so that me and God are good. When in reality, yo, this is the very place where God is. The Bible says that he says two things. He says, I want to go to God's house and spend all my days. And then he says, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. That word gaze, ha-za, it means to see or to, to look at something. It's actually where we get the word that derives from this word, where we get the word prophecy, where you're able to see. Where it's crazy that the more that you focus on God, the more that you look at God, the more that you fix your eyes and your gaze upon God, that God actually begins to show you so many other things. But it begins with you focusing on God. It begins with you adjusting the lens. The more that you spend your time gazing at God, the more that you spend your time looking at him, you walk through these doors and worship is all about you having a moment where you can see God. Where you can see these are the things that happened to me and you brought me out of those things. This is the very moment right now that everybody around me has been sick and everybody around me has a financial lack. I still don't know how I paid the rent, but you with me. You're walking with me like you gaze at the beauty of God. 
When you get too familiar, then you walk in and it's just a bunch of songs. And then it's just, you know, amen. Amen. That should be the worship time. You know what I'm saying? I ain't even had auto-tune. No reverb. You saw that, babe? You get that all the time because I sing to you all the time. Stop, Chino. Preach the message. Listen to what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18. I don't have it on the screens. I just added this. But Ephesians chapter 1, 18, it says, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. Yo, the heart doesn't have eyes. Like, it doesn't have two physical eyes. But he's, there's something that you see that you gaze upon the beauty of God when you close your eyes. When you actually lean in and focus on him, like, yo, he just becomes so big. Please don't get familiar with him. Don't think that worship is the buffer to start the service. Worship is the end, the beginning, the middle of the entire service. Things happen in worship. I've seen people healed in worship. I've seen people's lives get turned around and touched in worship. I've seen people get set free in worship. I've seen God do some amazing things in worship where it's not just this little thing that you do because you know how to sing or because you know how to play an instrument. This is a thing that is, listen to me, man. Yo, the children of Israel will go to war. Like, think about a war where you're actually about to enter into a camp and there's 100,000, 4 million people in front of you. 4 million people. And all you have is about 300 people. Yo, I ain't been to school long enough. Jamal, like, I ain't got a bachelor. I don't have a master's or a doctor. I got my bachelor's. I don't have a doctorate. But, yo, I've done math long enough to understand it. 304 million, it's a big difference. Like, yo, I don't, I don't think I'm going to beat these guys. Like, I don't care. I bring Quincy. He, he's still not. He's, he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. He's, he's strong, and he does the Superman push-ups and all that. But, like, it. But yet there were moments that the children of Israel would march into a war and all they would have is the worshipers in the front. And the battle would be already won where they never have to lift a sword. They never had to do anything because God, the presence of God, would go before them and that he would fight the battles. I told you I wasn't going to preach, but y'all got me preaching. I'm gonna, I got to teach. I got my teaching glasses on. I got my teaching glasses but yo, that's, that's what worship does. Worship allows for you to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. Not only does worship allow for you to gaze on the beauty of the Lord, but I think the word of God, that I think when we sit here and when we unpack the word of God, when we teach somebody, whoever comes up here to teach you, it's always to show you. It's to paint this picture of the splendor of God. That there are times that you will walk into a service and like, yo, I heard about Jesus. I've been to church. I've done all this stuff. But something happens when all of a sudden you're like, oh, I see it now. Like, I see it now. Like, it makes sense to me now. And you don't have to have your eyes open to see it. But something happens inside of you when the word of God is preached that all of a sudden now you see God in a different light. Yo, I hope that we don't become too familiar to understand that when we preach the word of God, that this is explaining to you and painting a picture with these broad strokes. I love the fact that we have all these denominations and we have all of these different, you know, agendas and dogmas and, you know, man, reach somebody. Everybody needs somebody to reach somebody. Like, yo, you got to be this to be. And when I first got saved, that was an absolute disaster. And I remember that me and my wife went to a church. Well, not me and my wife. I met her at the church and she was there for about seven years. Didn't speak Spanish, but actually learned that Spanish language, listening to Spanish preaching every single day. And I walked into that church and every time my wife was on the worship team, yes, she was on the worship team. She had on, she had on a, uh, she had on a skirt. I dare you to wear pants. You go to the movie theater, you're going to hell. You listen to secular music? Oh, man, like you're going to go in the car and your, your car is going to burst into flames. Like off top, like you can't do nothing. 
we called it culto. If you missed Friday prayer to go anywhere in the world, the rapture would come and you would get left behind. Like it just, that you would be scared. Like you'd be like, yo, like, yo, my puppy's in the veterinarian. He's going to die. I got to go to church. Like I ain't trying to get left behind. Like, yo, I got to go. Like I don't want to. And it's, you know, it's just like scariness, but I needed that. But I, but I laugh because all of these doctrines, these dogmas, these denominations, I, I just, what, I don't get upset at who they are, what they believe, how they interpret scripture. What bothers me is when you put a finality on God and you think that you understand him. And you think that this is the only way that God can operate. That's where you lose that. Because God's ways are beyond finding out. That's why we constantly dig into scriptures. We constantly look into the Bible. We constantly search for him. Because we're learning something new about him. I've seen some individuals who didn't read their Bible. And they were Akuna Matata, Shana Barahanda, all of that good stuff. And all of a sudden they started reading their Bible. And they saw a different face of God. Where now the scriptures actually started becoming real to them. Salvation they understood. It didn't come because I speak in tongues. It comes because God gave it to me by faith. But I've also seen some people that only believe that it has been by faith, that they believe I, that that's speaking Disney and gibberish. And they themselves, one day God has grabbed them and arrested them. And they have begun, and they start speaking in tongues. They didn't believe it, but God will arrest you because we can't figure them out. You can't contain them. You can't contain them. I've given my life to just, I just want to search you. I just want to search who you are. And my hope is that when you would walk through the doors of, yo, if you call Greater Church your home or, or if you have another church home and maybe you're visiting right now because you came for child dedication, my hope and my desire is wherever you find yourself in, that you would understand that this word right here has the power to show you Jesus, who he is. He can reveal himself to you in such a beautiful way. I don't care if you came from a Catholic background, a Baptist background, a Pentecostal, a Methodist background. At the end of the day, we will all be one in Christ. We will find ourselves in his glory in heaven for all of eternity. There won't be no dogma. There won't be no sitting there, letters of reservation. There won't be any of those things. I don't even know what a letter of reservation is. I have no idea. I just, I made that up. But like, <laughs> but yo, like we're, we're all going to be one in Christ. If I'm honest with you, and this isn't even in my notes, but I think the next greatest revival that we're going to see in the church is going to come when, when you grab the Pentecostal and the Baptist and when you grab the, the Presbyterian and the Methodist. And me and Jason, we were talking about this. You're going to grab all of these different denominations, and it might be because of persecution that you're going to watch all of these denominations just come under the banner in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you're going to watch one big, great revival. I think we're in the last times. I think we're in dress rehearsal for the last times. And Carlos can probably talk a little bit about it. We're going to get him so he can teach a class on, on the end times because that's like his, his deal. But, but I think we're in a dress rehearsal for it. But I truly believe that the church still has one more trick up her sleeve. And it's going to come by way of unity, not division, not black or white, not Republican and Democratic. It's going to come because of the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, I'll amen myself. I'll clap myself right now because I know that I'm going to see that before I pass away. God is going to do it. Says I. I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And I started to look at this word beauty and I started to kind of see what it meant. And it's, it's an attraction or a desirableness when you see something beautiful, beautiful, like you desire it. And the beauty of this, what David was saying is that everything that is desirable is in the Lord. 
Like every piece of him is desirable. When you are able to move contempt out of your face because of familiarity and you find yourself where you actually gaze upon the glory of the Lord and you gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, you begin to desire him. Now you wake up in the morning and you're not thinking about checking Twitter. You're desiring to have a conversation with him. You're going to sleep and you're not worrying about checking how many likes you got on Facebook or who actually wrote you back on the email. But there's something about the Lord that attracts you. Now you want to spend time with him. You begin to actually look at him. You begin to look at the beauty of the Lord. It's in God's house that you see him, that you desire for him. This is where you begin to get this, this, this thing gets birthed inside of you where you're just like, you're like, I want more of God. I love my wife. And I, 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 I say these things all the time when I talk to different couples and individuals. Like, there, there is something that like, yo, I love her. And she understands that I love her. And I've never stepped out of our marriage. I never did anything because I have a desire for her. I love her. I want to learn more about her. I want to grow in her. We can't have kids anymore, but we practice all the time. Like, I want to know you. I want to grow. Like, I want to I get better and better. Some people are just like, huh, okay. <laughs> Allen Iverson? Uh, we just, <laughs> like, I want to grow. But if I disappeared and I didn't speak to my wife for a few months, I would begin to think that our vows, we just did them because uh, we got married too fast. I'll start questioning, eh, did she really love me? Like, is it real? Like, yo, I think she just married me because I was tall, dark, and handsome, and I was Cuban. <laughs> like, I, the, the, the separation, though, will begin to breed that contempt as well, where now I won't even start believing it. And it's crazy because when you walk and you find yourself not coming to the house of the Lord for a certain amount of time, and yo, this whole message isn't about, like, you coming to church. The whole message is about you understanding that you are the church, but for you to understand that this is the place where God exists, not an organizational thing. I'm not worried about your tithes. I'm not worried about you coming here and serving on a team or joining a growth track or a G group. I want you to understand what this place houses. It's important for you to get this. But if you find yourself in a space, and I completely forgot what I was saying. It, the type of, so when you find yourself, and I found myself not going to church for a little while, and I stopped believing things. Is he, does he really love me? I don't know. Does he really care for me? Like, is he really going to heal me? Like, is he really going to touch me? Like, the more that I spend time away from God, the more that I start questioning those things. But it's the opposite when I'm close to him. I start believing for some crazy things. I start asking God for some things that I'm like, yo, you could do this. Like, I really believe you could do this. I will see somebody in a wheelchair at a gas station. I say, yo, I'm too close to you not to believe that this person can't get up. Like, I start, I start seeing these things. Like, something inside of me starts bubbling up because I'm closer to him. Because I'm spending time with him. Because I'm actually in love with him because I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. And then he says, to inquire in his temple. That word inquire is bakare. Now bakare, these words, um, the Old Testament was mostly written in Hebrew. The New Testament is probably 99% Greek, but it has some Hebrew inside of it. And when you actually begin to dive into scripture, like God starts revealing stuff at you when you start taking some of the original content. That's why you see, I don't want to look smart to you or like, oh, I'm talking in Greek. I'm Cuban, bro. I could barely speak English. Like, I'm not trying to be smart. <laughs> but what I want you to understand is that there, one, of the, one of the resources that I use is Blue Letter Bible. 
That's a website. It's also an app on your phone where you can go in there. You can look at a concordance. You can get a Strong's concordance. If you don't like apps, you can actually get something. And you can start looking at it and start digging. Because as you start digging, you start looking at it. Watch this. He says, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and inquire at his temple. Like, I want to inquire. When you think about the word inquire, you're thinking, okay, this is like, I want to learn about God. But it's so much bigger than just learning about God. That word inquire actually means to plow. Like it actually means to get dirt and to start digging inside of dirt and turning the dirt around so that you can actually place some seeds inside of it. That you, when, when you go, and for some of us, you know, we, maybe you've done some farming, maybe you haven't done some farming. I'm from Hialeah, we don't have no farming. <laughs> the only farming was on a street corner. But what you do is like, if you're farming, is natural herbs and spices. If you, if you, if you, uh, stop laughing. If you... <laughs> If you start, if you start um, when you start actually farming, you, you begin to notice that if you grab seeds and you just kind of throw it on the dirt, like it's not really going to take root. It's not really going to grow. Nothing's going to happen. The, the seeds are going to be there. Sometimes the sun will scorch it where those seeds won't even find any type of fruit. Like maybe they'll kind of get a root and maybe one or two seeds. But what you need to do is that you need to begin to plow it. And they would get these oxes and there would be two of the ox and they would actually put them with a yoke on them. And then behind them, there was this thing where it was a plow and it would begin to turn the ground. And what it does, it starts turning the ground and it starts changing the very fabric of what the dirt looks like. Like it looked gray and old, but all of a sudden it'll start looking fresh. And if you're in Georgia, it'll start looking kind of reddish. And if you're in Miami, it starts looking kind of darkish and it begins to catch life. And what happens is that when you plant the seeds inside of there, now all of a sudden the seed has a place to maneuver and to be able to grow because it goes deep inside and its roots are able to do. And that's what happens when you come to inquire in the house of the Lord. God begins to make mess you up because you had this religious dogma that told you children should not be dedicated. They should be baptized. And God comes in here. He starts messing you up because you start reading through scripture and you start seeing things. And all of a sudden, the way that you lived your life thinking, yo, I can have sex as long as I'm in love with her. God starts messing that stuff up and it starts changing who you are. Well, you know what? I don't really need to be with her. I can do whatever I want to do. I can step out on my marriage. I can do whatever I want. And then you start reading the scriptures and your entire life starts getting turned inside out. And God begins to create spaces. God starts messing with you when you come to church. You came in here and you had an idea of what you wanted to do. You had it all planned out. And then you walk into the church and you're just like, yo, what just happened right now? Like, God, I don't even want to do that. <laughs> like, if we're honest, like, yo, I don't even want to do that. Like, I wanted to do this thing. I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted to create robots and machines. Yo, Leah, that boy there, oh, my God, that's a, that's a smart one. He's my best friend. <laughs> my best friend. That's the, that's the next Eli Musk. But it begins to turn, it begins to turn, it, it begins to turn inside of you. And you start noticing as you start coming into the church, you start inquiring, you actually start diving into the scriptures. You begin to actually look at this. You start getting some of these concordances and you start reading. And then all of a sudden you start seeing that these things start like bubbling up inside of you. And yo, sometimes it hurts, but it's going to bring you life. Sometimes it's going to cut you or cut people off of you, but it's going to produce life inside of you. Sometimes you will not be able to go back to the same circles. I, I, I don't know, you know, some of y'all may not even know my story as a teenager, as a young kid. Like, I was a troublemaker. I was in and out of trouble with the law. I was a gang member. It wasn't until I was 19 years old that I got saved and the Lord completely, radically changed my life. He messed me up so much that there were some individuals that I said I would die for these individuals. I loved them. And I had to step away for a season from them. 
And I had to actually begin to plow. And God started changing some stuff inside of me. And he started developing some things. It's the process of sanctification. That's the theological term. God started doing these things inside of me that now I've gone back. And so many of my friends that I had to step away from, they actually know Jesus. They're in church. They're serving the Lord. My own mom, who was so far away from God, who hated anything that had to do with religion, she's in church right now. She's been baptized. She speaks in tongues. Yo, my mom is seeking after the Lord. Every single Sunday, she'll send me a selfie on my way to church. She'll misspell church because she don't know how to write in English, but she'll send it to me because she's going to church. But there had to be a time where I had to separate from some people because that plowing started doing something inside of me it's it's the inquiring it's the inquiring that begins to I rather not I rather have a pickaxe in my hand in the Lord's house and be digging a hole and making room for God than be sitting on the couch watching Netflix and letting my mind just rot it's in this space that my life is going to get transformed not only with information but transformation because God all of a sudden he begins to reveal things to you and it changes your entire life man he says, I, wanna, I want to be able to gaze upon the Lord. I want to see the beauty of the Lord. I want to desire him more than anything. I want to inquire. I want to plow. I want to dig. I want to look through all of these things. I want to eliminate all of the distractions around me and inside of me. I want to be able to take time to actually gaze upon the beauty of the Lord. In just a second, I'm going to pray for some people. Because there are some people who maybe you walked in through these doors and maybe you're saying, Chino, I get that. But that Jesus that you're talking about, if I'm honest with you, I feel like I'm a little separated from it. Maybe you've never been close to him or maybe life trials, maybe being by yourself during this social distancing season has put you far away from the Lord. And I want to give you a second. I want to give you a minute. In just a couple of minutes, I want to give you an opportunity for you to bridge that gap. But I want to teach you something. I want to actually give you something that I believe is going to help you to understand and gaze upon the beauty of the Lord that you'll be able to see how beautiful he is, that you would inquire, that you would begin to tell up, I'm going to lift my hands. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to sing unto the Lord. I'm going to celebrate who he is. I'm going to begin to do the work because I want to dig some of this stuff up and I want those seeds to actually grow inside of me. I want you to do me a favor, everybody. If you're in this room, I want you to stand up for just a second. The worship team is going to come up here. We got about 15 minutes here before we get out of here. And I wanted to just take a few minutes we're gonna sing this song and the song is called make room and some of us some of you have already heard this you've been familiar with this song and literally what it's saying is that God I want to make room for you I, I want to move away from all my traditions I want to move away from all my religion and I want to get to this place Lord where you are the only thing that matters I pray to God that you wouldn't find yourself in a place of familiarity that created contempt where it just becomes another song. But my hope and my desire is that whatever, wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of faith, whether you've been serving the Lord for a hundred years or whether you find yourself where, yo, I don't even know if me and the Lord are cool. I don't even know if he likes me very much because of what I've done. I want you to find yourself in a space where you can actually see him. I promise that in those moments, transformation comes, that God will begin to reveal himself to you, that you will see the beauty of the Lord. That the beauty of the Lord will start messing you up. That it'll start tilling the ground of your heart. And it'll start changing some things. It's not a preacher with a microphone. Not an eloquent message. It's not even a well-played piano or amazing singing. It's the presence of the Lord. And all over this place, would you do me a favor? Would you bow your heads? If you're comfortable, come on, would you slip your hands up? I'm going to pray for you. And the worship team is going to begin to sing. 
we're going to take some time just to lean into God. This is a practical application. If you're online, don't log off right there in your living room, in your car. Lift your hands up. Begin to worship the Lord. I promise you, as you gaze upon his beauty, it will never be the same. Dear Father, we love you and we thank you. Because it's these moments, Lord God, that change everything. Lord, I thank you for your graciousness. Lord, I thank you for how big you are. As we gaze upon your beauty, Lord, reveal yourself to us. As we inquire, as we till, Lord God, I pray that you would find yourself in the midst of us, Lord. Let us not get too familiar with who you are, but let us lean into your presence, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord Jesus. altars are open and if you say yo I want to come up to the front you know I need to be prayed for or maybe you just want to spend some time with God here at this altar please understand that these altars are open for you as well
chasing now This is my surrender This is my surrender Here is where I lay it down You are all I'm chasing now This is my surrender This is my surrender you tell God that I will make room? Sing it. Come on. Father, we will make room for you, Jesus. We will make room for you, Jesus. Our schedules, Lord God, they don't encapsulate you. Our schedules don't hinder you, Jesus. Our time is not subject to you, Lord God. You do not surrender to our plan, Lord Jesus, but we surrender to yours, Lord God. Father, we're grateful for who you are, Lord, and we make room in this place, Lord. Reveal yourself to us, Lord God. Father, we make room for you, Lord. That we may gaze upon your beauty, Lord God. That we may inquire in the house of the Lord. It's in this place where we will plow, Lord God. Where we will seek to see your beauty. You are all we desire. You are all we want, Lord Jesus. 
Make us over again, Jesus. Make us brand new again, Jesus. Dwell with us from the inside out, Lord God. Change us from the inside out, Lord God. Move, Lord God, the things that are not supposed to be there, Lord God. Allow for us to see your glory, Lord. Let us see your matchless redemption, Lord God. Thank you for your grace, Lord God. Thank you for your majesty, King. Father, we exalt and worship who you are, Lord. We make room that you may sweep through our hearts, Lord. That you may sweep through our past, Lord God. That you may sweep through our present, Lord. That you may go ahead of us and prepare a way for us, Jesus. Father, we worship you in this place. Father, we make room for who you are, Jesus. We exalt you, Lord God. Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. We hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us 